Welcome to the Two Season a Pod podcast presented by Macedonia Baptist Church. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Chris Lindsay, and I'm joined with what's up, Chris Gravening. And we have a special guest right now. He's frozen to us, but I'm sure he can still hear us. Uh, we have special guest Brandon Sandifer, the great Dr. Reverend over here uh, at Haygood Avenue Baptist Church. In Barnwell, South Carolina. There you go, in Barnwell, South Carolina. I was waiting for you to say something, man. <laughs> What's up, Brandon? How are y'all? My my internet's a little unstable. That's why I wasn't sure y'all were kind of frozen from a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Brandon, uh, we invited Brandon to join us on the podcast. He just recently got back from a trip to Uganda. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay, because when, when I was praying for you before you left, I forgot where you were going. I, I said you were going to, like, Kalamazoo or something like that. Then I forgot Noah's name, and it, it just wasn't a good day of prayer for me. No, but, no, man. That's all right, bro. <laughs> may, may want to remind who Brandon is to you. Yeah, Brandon is uh, my uh, former pastor um, at Pineview Baptist Church. He's now at Haygood. Uh, he was one of the four elders there. Um, leading the church at Pineview. Um, still talk to Brandon weekly-ish. I didn't talk to you last week because you were in uh, Uganda. Uh, and he's pointing out That's the Gamecock. Fair. So uh, he is a Gamecock fan. I am a Georgia fan. He he should still have a picture that I gave him of uh, Georgia football. And <clears throat> I, I got it signed by uh, Jadavian Clowney. Yeah, he's pointing at it. So, um it's a good rivalry there. Speaking of sports, see, I'm in a bad mood today. You're, you're in a horrible mood. <laughs> Brandon Chris, so Chris is you're a Cowboys fan. Yeah, I, I picked yeah. up on that. Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. He that came that last crying. play was really dis- that last play was really disappointing. The whole never mind. It's it's <laughs> it's a, my lot in life. Uh as the joke goes, I want the Cowboys to be my pallbearers. So that they can let me down one one more time. Let me down. Wow. Dang it! I said it wrong. Let you let down. you was, down one last time. Good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. Wow. So, anyways, oh, well, uh, you know something that the Cowboys will always do, but Jesus will never do. He will never let you down. Never let you down. Never gonna give you up. Yep. Right. Put your hope in Jesus. It's good sanctification process. Yep. It's it's a great sanctification process unless you're like me. And just a Georgia Bulldog fan. He's just, you said, you sitting here, you can't see this right now, no. uh, listeners, but he is taunting uh, Brandon. <laughs> taunting. Hey, I, would, I would wear it too. <laughs> back to back. <laughs> back to back. That's so, Brandon, uh, what was uh, one of the reasonings you going to Uganda? Yeah. So, um, Coming into to pastoring a new church, I've only been here a year, and uh, they've had some mission involvement in the past. Um, since COVID, there hasn't been any, and you know, I, I have a deep passion for uh, missions, particularly getting the gospel to the unreached people groups, those who who have little to no access to the gospel. And so, um, I had a I had a mentor in ministry who was pastoring in the upstate of South Carolina. And he left his church in 2017 to go as a missionary to Uganda. And from that point until this last year, 
um, he had been asking me to come and be a part of some of the things God was doing there. And, and at Pineview, we, we already had really awesome mission partnerships that um, were benefiting the church. And so I didn't want to start anything new or go off on my own little, you know, mission effort. And so it, it, the timing just didn't work until came here and there was just opportunity presented. They, they were doing a pastor's conference um, in January. So uh, the, the pastor friend who was a missionary in Uganda, he has since had to come back to the States. And now he's working to mobilize churches to be able to go and to continue encouraging um, the partnerships that he began. And so he, he helped begin what's called the Christ Mission uh, Church Network in Uganda. And it's 30 uh, Baptist churches who are who lean more reformed, but they um, they their their confession of faith is a Baptist faith and message. And so the plan was um, he had invited me to come with two other pastors. There's a pastor in the upstate in Anderson. Um, Dalton Fowler was his name, Hopewell Baptist Church. And then a pastor named Rob Burhorst, who is a pastor at First Baptist Church in Linden, California. And Johnny invited us to come. Johnny was the missionary friend. Sorry. Um, I didn't know if I could say his name or not. I think we're good on security terms. But anyway, um, he invited me to come with those guys to be a part of this uh, pastor's conference they were having in uh, mid-January around nine marks of a healthy church. And they were bringing the 30 church pastors together from that network for a time just to encourage them, equip them and think about um, the nine marks. And so Nine Marks of a Healthy Church by Mark Dever. And so uh, he he also, Johnny also offered, hey, as you come, if you have some members of your church that would like to come with you, just um, see if they'd like to. And we'll, while y'all are doing ministry in the pastor's conference, we'll go into the villages and work with the local churches. And so I said, cool, I'll put that out. He came and spoke and we had a meeting and then I put it out, who wants to go? And we had, we had a huge response. It was super encouraging. We ended up taking um, seven from from our church here, and then two uh, ladies from from our previous church, Pineview, actually jumped in and went with us, and um, they're still at Pineview. And uh, it was it was a very 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 fruitful trip. So began there in our mission partnership because what's happening there is really fascinating. These uh, these churches and pastors. Um, they are solid in their doctrine. I was so encouraged, made me feel there's a lot of false teaching that's happening in Uganda. Um, Uganda is considered. So, so first Uganda is considered a a reach country, meaning there's a lot of Christian, a lot of people would profess to be Christian. So they say 85% of the population would say they're Christian. Some of that though would be Roman Catholic. Um, some of that might fall into different cults and things that would call themselves Christian, but they're really not. Um, uh, the the biggie though that has happened is there's a lot within the charismatic movement that has uh, propagated the prosperity gospel, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel there, and that's a really big thing. And so. It, it would be similar to a lot of the work that happened in Guatemala, um, that while it's reached and there's churches there, there's not a lot of healthy churches, not a lot of sound doctrine um, building churches. And so this network is filled with 30 churches that are very healthy. And what, what's really awesome that my eyes witnessed, and I was so humbled, was seeing these guys 
we would teach for an hour on the different topics. And then um, we, after each topic, we would have a 30 minute Q and A and the thoughtful questions they were asking. I think in, in some ways, many of our Southern Baptist churches, these brothers would run circles around us at a lot of what we talk about in our um, convention and association gatherings at times, you know, and I don't mean that as a knock. I'm just meaning that these brothers were very serious um, striving to be faithful with very little resources and and so so encouraging seeing their hunger um, and that they're thinking about seriously these nine marks striving to be healthy churches because they know that is what's going to last you know for the church to be healthy and for people's lives to be changed it's going to come from healthy churches and so um, there was there was a brother there who uh, who's from Uganda. And uh, he has gone to serve among, there's five unreached people groups still in Uganda, and they have access to much of Africa, though, you know, where there's tons of unreached in, in Western and Northern Africa. And so um, this brother has gone to the Northern part of Uganda, and he's working among two unreached people groups, and he's given his life to do that. And I had a chance to meet him and sit down and have lunch, and he was so solid. I was just so encouraged hearing him, his long-term vision, there's, there's few believers, but his long-term vision is to um, give his life there to build in generational discipleship, to see missionaries sent from, from among these people to go to all these unreached peoples. And so, you know, I've often heard that Africa in the future is going to be one of the largest uh, mission sending continents in the future. And um, this trip really showed me that, man, that is, I don't think that's far off. They are they're very serious and they have very little resources in terms of worldly wealth and material. In fact, here's another example. Um, one of the churches that went donated Reformation study Bibles for us to take. And we also had a donation of 30 copies of nine, Mark, nine marks of healthy church books. And we were able to give all those pastors those books. And you would have thought we gave them for us, it would have been equivalent to the highest subscription of Lagos you could you could have, you know, and, um, or or the nicest lot given you were given Dr. Moeller's library, you know. Um, it was it was an incredible experience just seeing their thankfulness for two books that uh, hopefully will serve them well in their ministry as a great resource. But these brothers were just so excited. So building that in for the church to be healthy there. We know they're going to, God's going to raise up missionaries out of those churches to go to the unreached and they will be able to go places that, that me and you guys um, and many in our churches probably would never be able to go. Mm-hmm. And so I think this, uh, it's like a two legged thing for missions. You know, we're going into a reached place and encouraging the church there and helping provide the little bit of equipping we can. They, it felt like they equipped me way more than I did anything for them. But in strengthening and encouraging the local church, um, there is the tremendous opportunity that God will raise up workers from among them to go uh, to the nations. And, and it could be that the Lord is blessing us in the American church with the resources we have. Maybe in the future, he's doing that so that we could fund some of these brothers and sisters to go who otherwise would not be able to. Yeah, that's, that's encouraging. Um, we're actually starting... Uh, speaking of nine marks of a healthy church, we're starting uh, new discipleship groups uh, this coming week. Uh-huh. And in that, one of the books that we're doing is nine marks of a healthy church. Um, walking through that. And uh, 
Chris when uh, when he preached this past week, his main point <laughs> was uh, looking at what it is a healthy ministry, a healthy church mm-hmm. ministry. So it just it's it's kind of cool how uh, all of this is working together. Even the church in Uganda is is working to figure out what a healthy church is uh-huh. and how mm-hmm. to live to that end. Um, so uh, before you left, you 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 told me a story about uh, these nine marks of a healthy church books um, mm-hmm. and how the Lord provided through yeah. uh, the for y'all for that. Uh, you would you mind telling that story? Yeah, I haven't uh, finalized all the details for sure because I'm still waiting to see. But um, we uh, so a church in California donated 30 copies and they mailed them to me here in the small town of Barnwell, South Carolina. So all the way across the country, the United States Postal Service was entrusted to get them to my door. And only four of them arrived. Six of them arrived out of the 30. And so we don't know what happened to the other 24. And the Postal Service doesn't know either. Um, and I do not intend that as negative to any postal uh, service people listening. We're very thankful for the United States Postal Service. Stuff happens, right? And so uh, it was unable to be, they were unable to be tracked down. So we contacted Nine March just seeing, because it was an emergency. This was like six days or so before we were going to have to be leaving. And um, Nine March was just so helpful. Uh, one of the guys that worked there, did everything he possibly humanly could do to get the books to us um, and even financially really helped us so that we could have those books to get to those pastors. And so um, anyway, uh, the the generosity that they showed, God provided those books and we were able to give them to the pastors. It was such a tremendous blessing. Now, why, why nine marks of a healthy church? Why that book? Yeah, that book, well, the biggest reason on that trip was because that was what we were told we were doing. Okay. But even if I was not told that that's what we were doing, I personally would recommend it because it it hits on really a lot of, um, you know, they're not the only marks of a healthy church, right? We would say there's there's others, but I would say they're nine essentials and they've even added uh, they've even tweaked it in the latest update that they include prayer and missions, whereas before that wasn't in the nine marks. And so now I think it's even even better. And um, it's just a helpful tool just to walk through these nine areas of of ministry and important aspects in the life of the church that uh, I think we can in the average everyday believers life, you know, living life, being a church member, they may not may not think through all of these matters. And it, it really puts it before people. And I've seen it throughout uh, my journey in pastoral ministry that that book has been helpful to, to highlight things for people. Um, and they may, it may not be that all nine marks ring true in a, in a one sitting, but over time hearing these over and over again, it does help. And it helps paint a picture of what a healthy church looks like. And so, so that healthy church and, and all of that, that, that carries over between, uh, it should carry over globally, right? Right. Yep. Uh, that's what we're seeing yep. in Uganda. And there'll be some cultural differences of expression, but the same core uh, doctrine, same core realities will hold true um, globally. So what, what do you mean by uh, culturally there, there would be some different expressions of that? Well, um, so... 
example, when we had the question and answer time with those pastors, I had the, I had the, um, one of the marks I had out of the three I was told to teach was biblical church leadership. So as a part of that, we dealt with qualifications of an elder and in the Q and a time, it was asked of us, would you say someone who is coming, a man coming, who's a candidate to be an elder or is already serving as an elder pastor in a church, but they're cohabitating, what would you say to that? And uh, one of the guys with us grabbed the mic and said, he's disqualified. And I mean, we would, we would all, like initially, that would be our, our response, like, right? That, that at minimum, it, it breaks the uh, above reproach you know, um, and the reputation before outsiders. I mean, if you're not married and you're living together, there's the implication of evil and there could be sexual immorality most likely taking place. And so that's where our minds went. And that was our context here in the States of what cohabitation would mean. So we answered that when one of the pastors chimed in and like, you could see like a brokenhearted concerned look on his face. And he said, well, then 90% of us in this room are disqualified. And we were just like, oh, wow, you know, and so we go to lunch. And so I had a chance to ask the missionary who we were working with, you know, we just asked for some context. OK, so what did that question mean? And marriage in Uganda is different than here in the States. Like they have a, a ceremony where the church and the family recognize a marriage. But then the next step is like a legal uh, recognized by the government and the father of the bride. Um, requires a bride price, and it's always so in such a enormous cost that most of these brothers could never afford, or or it would take a long time to be able to afford it. So most all of them had done the first step where their their marriage was recognized by the church and their family. Like in the eyes of all of that, they were viewed as married. They had a ceremony, you know, it was like they entered into a covenant. Everything it was just that last step there. And so, so there's a lot of questions there, you know, that we have to think through practically, but um, we were like, you know, that's not the same thing of what we were thinking about of being cohabitating. I mean, they, these brothers clearly, if if that was the case, which it was, because we went back and clarified and we, we said, Hey, we weren't, we weren't talking about what you're talking about. Um, we were talking about what we hear in the States of someone who's not married and not recognized as being married. And so um, it was clear that these guys were striving to be uh, one woman men, you know, and uh, to be faithful to their wives. So that's sort of a contextual thing that happened in us talking about stuff. And I don't know that that really relates to what we were saying, but that was an example. And I was trying to think off the top of my head, a couple of other things, you know, the whole dynamic of a church in poverty where they don't have uh, material to, to, really give an offering week in and week out. They have very little. And so some of their mission sending, some of their missions aspect, um, it might look a little different than what we're able to be a part of here in the States. But the the overall, um, and they're going to have some messier situations of church discipline that could come up that are that are super duper complicated, um, as is the case in any any situation like that. But uh, anyway, it um, it does hold true globally, just with some some contextual things to know as you think through those matters. That's good. I like I, I like what you're talking about there. That, that sometimes we have a um, westernized view of things and forget yep. that sometimes there's other 
uh, things going on that we don't realize um, that are going on. You know, that's, that's very helpful to remember uh, when we're dealing from a global perspective that we, we have often have a very limited view just because of where we're at and we don't think about it from a glo- more global view that life outside of America looks a lot different uh, for a lot of people. So yeah, that's good. So um, the, the rest of your crew, while, while you were doing the teaching, I know saw your wife, uh, Mandy, posted some videos of uh, some of the men singing and that there was other opportunities for them to serve. Uh, what, were, what were they doing throughout this time? Yeah. So we had a couple of days before the pastor's conference where we were all together as a church. And um, the, the thing that was so cool, we got there late in Uganda time, it was like Saturday morning at 3.45 a.m. And so we went in our hotel, um, we went to bed and we were able to sleep until about lunchtime. Well, when we get up, uh, Johnny, who was leading our team and organizing the trip, he uh, he says, guys, we got to hurry up. The church is waiting on us. We didn't know this. And the church, a church in one of the, the villages that we visited wanted to welcome us and they had been there since 10 a.m. And it's now 12 p.m. And so all that to say, we went to that church, such an encouraging time, had the opportunity to go there on on Sunday where I had the chance to preach there. And a lot of our folks went and helped with their children's ministry and they invited us back. So this is where I'm going. They invited us back that evening. The pastor's wife told my wife, hey, the ladies here they really just need some encouragement. Can y'all come and let's spend some time just y'all come and bring some encouragement. And so our ladies on the team, Mandy, uh, did some teaching and some others shared testimony and they sang and just they had a chance to just hear the stories of struggle and trial where they these uh, dear sisters are just struggling how to make ends meet. Many of them don't have husbands anymore. They're they're either um their husbands died or the men just have abandoned them, you know, and um, while that was happening, we also had the youth were meeting and we had a chance to minister to them. And we were in circles. We broke up into groups, three, three members from our team. I was with me and myself and two others, uh, a, a dad and his daughter went and his wife was there too, but it was just the dad and the daughter that were in a group with me. And we went around the group sharing our testimony and after we all shared, the guy who was translating for us shared his. And this was one of the most encouraging aspects of the trip. And, and I got to witness it with some of our team members. And I think it carried all of us into the week. But he, he began sharing his that he came to faith in Jesus. He was a Muslim and um, he had often sought to uh, to just tell Christians how ridiculous it was that they believed God had a son. Right. Well, he heard the gospel, truly heard the gospel. God gave him ears to hear, and he turned to Christ. And so he goes home and tells his family that he is he's turned to following Jesus, and his dad nearly beats him to death and tells him, no, you're a Muslim. If you're in this family, you're going to be a Muslim. And this young man said, well, no, Dad, I'm, I'm following Jesus now. And he says, well, if you continue to follow Jesus— I'm going to ask Allah to haunt you with ancestral spirits the rest of your life. And so I, I could see on this guy's face as he's talking to you, I could just see scars on his face. And um, but there was joy. He had a smile on his face and he paused and he told us, he said, 
He said, since I followed Jesus, though, I can tell you to this very day, no ancestral spirit has even bothered me. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, when he came to faith in Jesus, so it was like a thousand, you know, they're on a, a metric system there. But he said it was like a thousand kilograms was lifted off of his chest. And he said he physically felt the peace of Christ. And and so it was just so stirring. That brother sat there and listened to all our testimonies with joy, translating them. And then when he came and shared his every testimony in Christ is super awesome, right? From the person right. who's trusted Christ from a young age to the person who was getting high on horse tranquilizer and came to faith in Jesus, right? <laughs> all of them are amazing. But in this moment, Hearing this brother share, I felt very unworthy that I had even talked. You know, I was just like, brother, I would have much rather heard heard your story a lot sooner than you sit and listen to mine. And he was just so humble and gracious. And so our folks continue to see throughout the week just people living in very difficult circumstances, but their hope and their joy was in Christ. And um, just it's, it's, it's the same, you know, reality when you get to experience that. It stirs your heart to realize we put our hope in so many things. And these brothers and sisters are really living by faith, moment by moment, um, day by day, trusting the Lord. They they have a walk with Jesus that's probably more intimate than what I know um, at this point in my life. And uh, just so encouraging seeing the faithfulness of God that even in even in the worst of circumstances, God's faithful to his people. And, and he is near and he gives his people what they ultimately need to glorify him. So praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm glad the Lord uh, showed you that uh, while you were there. Um, I, that's a great opportunity. Uh, when's the next time you're going back? So I'm having a debriefing meeting tomorrow with the other pastors that went. And I think there's going to be some conversation of the potential of future trips. So um and we as a church need to have conversations as to what that um, partnership may look like. You know, what do we want to do? Because we want to be purposeful. We don't want to just just take trips just to take trips. We, you know, what we did on this trip was very purposeful and it gave us a baseline to kind of think through what we want to do. So um, there's there's hopefully going to be more trips to come. Well, praise the Lord. I just got a, uh, a notification. Let me know that our time is almost expired. Um, so, uh, but I'm thankful for that. Thankful that you were able to get on here and um, kind of tell us a little bit about what happened. Good stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff. But yeah. uh, Brandon, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> God bless you, brothers. I'm very thankful for you. Thank for you too, man. Hope you enjoyed hearing from. Uh, the great Dr. Reverend Brandon Sandifer concerning uh, missions and what that looks like uh, for his church in Uganda. Maybe it will give you a deeper desire for missions and what that means for the local church. Maybe a deeper desire for what a healthy church is. If that's the case, pick you up the book, Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. Uh, it's been influential in my ministry. I'm sure it has in Chris's ministry. He has had a um, little emergency he had to leave for, so he wasn't able to finish the end of the podcast with me. But we do all that we do. We go to Uganda. We go to the uh, ends of the earth with the gospel. We do ministry as a church, providing 
looking at a healthy church. We do all of that to the praise of His glory. Mm-hmm.